Hi, and welcome to the Who The Fuck Is podcast. I'm Mad Dog, and joining me on this episode is publisher Dan Grubb from Fantastic Books Publishing. It's bloody lovely to be chatting to a mate, actually. It is. It, it is. is. Nice. It's it is. The, well, usually these these podcasts are about me getting to know who the fuck it is I'm talking to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I already know you, so this is yeah, about... Yeah. This is about the rest of them getting to know you. Isn't yeah, it? ask me odd questions. And odd I'll questions, you, weird I, ones. I'll, I'll have an answer for everything, even if the answer is fuck off, I'm not answering that. Right, what's what's your favourite type of biscuit? Um, my favourite type of biscuit, controversially perhaps, is the uh, is the rectangular pink wafer. Get the fuck out. That is no, ridiculous. That is stupid. You've got a chocolate digestive. You've got the hobnob. You've got cookies with chips and, and raisins and all kinds of things in. And you go for a pink wafer. Yeah, always have. Always have. Something um, the fucking reason, wrong with you. The reason, I was I was very skint at college, very skint at college, quite hungry, mm. quite thirsty, didn't have any pennies, had about four or five hours left to go. And I noticed that the people were giving blood. Right. right. So they, they, were giving, they were giving blood, so I thought, I'll go and give blood. Uh-huh. So, uh, so I, I I went to the went to the place and I, I gave blood and you know, mm. uh, and afterwards they sit you down and they give you a cup of tea and a biscuit. Yeah, and I had a cup of tea, but the biscuit plate in front of me was empty. So I finished my cup of tea. And then I said, "I'll be on my way." And she said, "Have you had a biscuit?" I said, "No, there was none on the plate, but it's all right. I'll I'll." And I was ready to go away. She said, "Sit there. I'll make you another cup of tea, and I'll go and get you some biscuits." Right? right. Yeah. She pulled a pack of pink wafers out and opened them up. And laid them out. Well, I thought, well, I'm having two cups of tea. I may as well have a couple of biscuits as well. So I had a couple of biscuits. Um, and we had a lovely rapport with this nurse. Mm. And I was single and quite horny at the time. And she was quite young and, and incredibly professional and beautiful. So yeah. that helped. So mm. it kind of burnt this image of my wondrous, angelic, NHS working um, angel, which, you know, <laughs> we're all kind of thinking now about every we single are. We are, yeah, yeah, um, into my mind. So, um, so yeah, it's about the pink wafer. And uh, as far as hobnobs or the SAS commando of the biscuit world is concerned, um, after my stomach surgery, I don't do fibre very well. Oh. So, um, so you know, the hobnob kicks my ass, and I, I do have respect for the ten dipping more again. You know, yeah, yeah. Whereas your pink wafer, it's just, oh, and it just disappears into a bloody mess. Well, it dissolves. It becomes like a scum on the top of your cup of tea. Don't call my favourite biscuit scum. It is scum. It's it not is, scum. It is, it is, Dad. Dad, just, just accept it, mate. Just accept it. We're not going to agree on this. This is this is one of the many things that we don't agree on, yet still remain friends over. Can you imagine that? <laughs> I know. I know. It's shocking. It's shocking. Well, my, my last podcast, yeah. I had a leave voter on. Mm-hmm. And this podcast, I've got yeah. a Remain voter on. Look at that! I'm all about the yeah. diversity of opinion, mate. So um, let's let, well, let's get cracking. Let's do, let's let's talk about that first okay. of all, because obviously that's been a big topic over the course of the last the yes. last three fucking years, yeah, and longer. <laughs> but um, I know you had concerns, obviously, which is why you voted voted for Remain and what have you. Have the, the concerns that you had, like about the yeah. the limitation of of where you're able to reach with your business and things like mm-hmm. that. Have have they come to pass yet? Or are you still thinking that they might be coming in? the future um i my entire philosophy when it comes to the uh uh of the uk leaving the eu mm. um 
it wasn't necessarily about whether business would continue beyond because of course business will via you know i mean there's yeah. there's, a, there's a wto wto stuff but there's also um you know that europe are our friends and they're mm. our allies yeah. and they're not our enemies um yeah. and we are in control of our own laws and various things and all this kind of horseshit that gets pushed by the far right about about uh, about everything being controlled by brussels and stuff uh, that that's that's it's a fallacy it's not it's not true uh, and i think that drove a lot of um a lot of leave voters who were kind of on the fence toward leave um i also know there are some very legitimate concerns that drove a lot of people to like yourself to vote leave mm. uh, they, they particularly uh, where you are doggy geographically uh, yeah. don't forget i was born in sheffield the steel city yeah uh, and and maggie just just decimated the steel industry uh-huh. which had the knock-on effect of decimating the um uh, the car manufacturing industry in the uk mm-hmm. uh, now we've got nonsense like um uh, we've got hand finished jaguars um that are <laughs> wiped, put wiped by, down by a fella in a garage yeah. essentially wiped down by a fella in a garage and we're yeah. still selling them as hand finished in britain mm. it's that sort of um it's that sort of cloak and dagger nonsense that i think is extremely dangerous in a debate as important as this now my philosophy about the brexit thing was always this is going to damage my business now mm. so when the referendum was happening from that point yeah uh, um, just, just general consumer confidence took a massive knock, a massive yeah. knock. And I had two years of my, my tiny independent business. I had two years to kind of weather the storm mm. almost overnight. And I mean, business terms almost overnight, but in actual fact about within about 12 or 13 days of the referendum, I mean, direct correlation, yeah. uh, business shrank by a third. A third. Now, now this is a business I built up from, from literally nothing, mm. um, it's a publishing house for those that don't know. And uh, the very first publications we put out were cookbooks. Yeah. The driver behind putting out a cookbook, Fantastic Cookies was our first cookbook. Mm. Uh, actually, just to make an ebook version of my granny's recipes. We lost granny a decade before. Yeah. But, uh, but we, we found her old cookbook. And when I wanted to make some of her melting moment biscuits, some mm. of my favorite ones, again, a girly. Uh, so-called scum biscuits, I guess, in your view. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. The pink wafer I didn't refer to as girly, did I? I just said it was shit. That's all. That's all. Don't put words in my mouth, Dan. Don't put words in my mouth, mate. All right? I've got a reputation to uphold. <laughs> yeah, I know. And as have I. Yeah, sorry for using the phrase girly. That's just the run-on from my childhood. Um, wrong with being girly. Um, but, yeah, the, the, okay, so these melting moment biscuits. Yeah. Uh, uh, we went for the recipe and the recipe just crumbled before our very eyes. We didn't get to get to the recipe in time before the moths had had its pieces. Yeah. Mm. So, uh, so we, we just wanted to rescue it. That's, that was the driver behind starting the publishing house crazily. Yeah. So then we thought, well, we need to turn this into an ebook so that we can immortalize it forever. And yeah. we did that and we, and we put the thing out and we put our heart and soul into putting this little cookery book thing together. Mm. And, without wishing to fall into the whole history of the company um uh, over the over the course of the first year we ran uh, charitable competitions mm-hmm. we took authors here and there we found drew wagar in the first year yeah, yeah. and he's still one of our best-selling authors mm. so all these various factors came in to build the business from nothing um and when you build a business from nothing instead of going to the bank and saying uh we'd like to start for example a, a cafe you want to start a cafe so yeah um we're going to need money for training we're going to need to go through that training. Mm-hmm. We're going to need money for equipment. We're going to need money for premises. We're going to approach the bank with a full business plan. The bank's going to lend us a shitload of cash. Yeah. And then we are going to look for a premise, find find some premises, find the equipment, set up the business, run it as best we can, 
pay the bank back at as preferential rate as we can, and mm-hmm. hopefully we'll reach golden zero after a couple of three years and on we go. Yeah. We're starting a business from scratch, and a lot of people devalue businesses that are started from scratch. But the mm. fact is, no money from the bank went into it at all. Yeah. We liquidated various assets of our own yeah. in order to start our publishing house. Mm. Seven years down the line, um, the UK government decided, via Cameron and his cronies, decided to uh, put a referendum to the people that the people were incredibly ill-informed to make a decision on. Now, I know we have differing opinions on this, yep, but yep. yes, no, or abstain option was not enough, with not enough options for such a hugely complicated issue as peeling one of the one of the European Union's most powerful founding members mm. out of um, a 40-year-old alliance, almost a 50-year-old alliance, right? Mm. Yes, no, and abstain was was not enough. And if and if yes, no, and abstain were the only options that the British people were to be given, then we should have been given access to the government's information, right? Right. We didn't have access to that. Many parts of the government didn't have access to that. Many parts of the government were sitting on bits of that, as we've now found with this, you know, with various bits of information coming out. Um, the whole referendum was based on a lie. Within twelve or thirteen days of it happening, my business shrank by a third. We're still not back up to pre-referendum levels. Yeah. The actual Brexit is a year away. Now mm. we're all down. Consumer confidence is taking another hit. Um, we're, we're lucky to be here. And the reason we're still here is the, situ- the, the very privileged situation we're in here in East Yorkshire, here living on the same property as my parents, albeit mm. in different buildings, and being able to administer the, the business from home. Yeah. which means a lot of people, like, for example, your cafe owners and your restaurateurs, they're yeah. just waiting for this payout to kind of cover the cover the growing and continuing gap in their income. They're waiting mm-hmm. for this payout, hoping against hope that people, their loyal customers are going to come back or even dare to come back when the government says it's safe. Because mm-hmm. up to last week, the government was saying it was safe to go out to the beach, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. I think not just consumer confidence, I think confidence in the government is a huge thing. Now, as far as the Brexit debate's concerned, the company, the economy, et cetera, from the effects of Brexit will recover. Yeah. I don't know where to. Um, with the, the 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 persistence on this global on, on this on this eternal growth of global capitalism. Mm. If you if you knock an economy back like this, with be it the coronavirus or Brexit or, yeah. or a nuclear bomb, whatever it happens to be, then it just allows more space for this for this impossible eternal growth. Mm. So all that's gonna happen is the capitalists are gonna jump on the rubble and they're gonna they're gonna cite the obvious growth that's gonna come from people wanting to get their businesses back online, from mm. people wanting to do better for their families, to improve the quality of life of people, to fill the gaps in their lives of people we are going to lose in the, mm-hmm. ex- in the example of this virus. Yeah, yeah we and will. But in those gaps, is gonna make people bolster their lives and bolster their businesses. And as a whole, the to grow and i guarantee you the capitalist elite will cite that growth as good old britain good old good old wartime spirit go on britain rah we are the strongest economy in the world etc etc we're going to hear all this faragian nonsense um over the course of the next six months for sure for sure but it doesn't mean that both brexit uh, as a man-made thing and the coronavirus as a perfectly natural if devastating thing um, hasn't done savage damage to our economies and mm. it's 
British people who are going to get the British economy out of this. Yeah. Uh, and and the idea that once we have and will inevitably do that, the idea that these bastards who are just sitting on vast fortunes that they have they've been in, look at the Weatherspoons guy. Oh what? god, yes, I saw that I saw that yesterday. Basically telling everyone to bugger off and get a job at Tesco's. Forty thousand workers. Yeah. Yeah. Forty thousand workers. He's not gonna pay them. Sayonara. Yeah. You're all done. Yeah. I mean, how does that even how is that how is that legitimate? How can he do that? How can he actually do that? How can he practically do something like that as the head of a business that controls 40,000 workers. How can you make it? How can a single human being be allowed to make a decision like that in a first world country and affect 40,000 people? If, mm -hmm. if that system, that economy, that entire society isn't built around keeping the capitalists rich and fat and the workers repressed and low paid. But capitalism has been responsible for creating the that uh, uh, that's not creating, but it has been responsible for lifting billions yeah, out absolutely. of poverty. We are we are now living we're, we're living it we're living in an age right now yeah. where levels of poverty are still a problem, mm -hmm. but not to the scale that they have been throughout the course of human history. We are yeah. you know. Capital, capitalism isn't always a bad thing. Absolutely, I agree. I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that capitalism is a bad thing. I'm saying runaway capitalism, the sort of capitalism that it's, it's enshrined in law that corporations, large corporations, have to, and that's the dangerous phrase, have hmm. to do whatever they can to maximise profits. Now, when you've got something like that enshrined in law, that means that so, you know, seemingly unimportant factors such as human suffering don't come into mm. it. No, you know, no, it's, no. It's how, well, with, any, how, with any bureaucracy, the human being just becomes a figure on a, on a, on a spreadsheet. Absolutely. And, and yeah. as an example, you have, um, you have very clever marketing, extremely clever, clever promotion, um, and you have companies like Nike, uh, to a lesser extent Adidas, but I'm guessing the same, um, mm. but these clothing companies who are who are able to stick a pair of trainers in a window for 400 quid and have people mm. around the block yeah. to, you know, to buy them. And yet that 400 quid wouldn't pay one of the workers that made them for a year. No, no. Cause they're made yeah. in factories where people learn like a penny a day. Absolutely. And, and this is like that. About, the, about, about going back to the Brexit referendum thing. Uh, this is, uh, this is what I meant about it not being as clear cut as a yes, no, or I, I'm not going to answer. It's not mm. that clear, and it's never mm. been that clear because society globally is extremely complex. Society mm -hmm. on a micro level is extremely complex, and you just can't give those sort that sort of power to people who have spent their entire lives being manipulated in one way or another. Yeah. I, I, I take a bit of umbrage at that. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna stop you on that one right now because I I, I think you've um, you've you've hit a you've hit a real a real nerve with me on that because okay. you that that kind of statement makes the assumption that people don't have agency and that no, people no, no, are no, people no, people no. are comp people are, are so dumb they will be yeah. swayed by the the signs on the side of a bus or Nigel Farage standing in front of that I, fucking I wasn't poster questioning intelligence doggy i wasn't questioning intelligence 
Well, was, you, it's you kind of are when you when you bring up yeah. things like that. When you when you start saying that people that people as a whole are just so easily manipulated, um, you you kind of forget the fact that the question of membership for the the European Union is something we've been talking about for three decades. We've been talking yeah. about it since Maastricht. We've been talking yeah. about it since the Lisbon Treaty. We in right. fact asked for rec- referendums when the Lisbon Treaty was brought into brought into place, right, and and we were denied denied that option now waiting a few decades after that to be able to finally have that say doesn't mean that people have been manipulated up to this point to come to the decision that they came to and you've got to also you've got to also then look at it it's i know you're very much looking at obviously the bullshit that came from the from from the leave campaigns the official leave campaigns but there was bullshit from official remain campaigns as well and if you're gonna if you're gonna say that people are easily swayed by these kind of messages that come out you've yeah. got to put yourself in that box too mate because Absolutely. you and could I, too have been easily swayed by the bullshit messages that have come out and i do yeah. now importantly i do put myself in the same box as a person who's been manipulated by mm. my whole life i've been mm. manipulated. uh you have spent your entire life being manipulated mm. when you see a dfs sale ending on monday doggy you whip out and buy a sofa every time do a fuck Right. When uh, a large number of Somalian refugees landed on the shores of the UK, Mm. the vast majority of them entered social housing and then immediately, immediately fell into huge amounts of personal debt. Because when they saw DFS was having a sale on Monday, they got their asses out and got that sofa. Mm -hmm. Then they're late at night and they're watching the uh, shopping channels. Yeah. I mean, their kids aren't fed, but... telling them if you don't get this ring now this is this ring's going to triple in value our expert here because he's got a lab coat on he's telling you it will and they immediately dove down because i've spent my entire life being manipulated and because that somali family didn't spend their entire life being manipulated somalis do have tv somalis do have marketing somalis do have advertising somalis yeah. have are, 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 are exposed to exactly the same things as the rest of us if i can stop you there mm. um, they're not not to the extent that we are otherwise you wouldn't get examples of somali refugees arriving here and falling into debt because they simply didn't know how to ignore mass market advertising so that's that's a mistruth doggy that doesn't make uh, sense i i i i think what you're saying is a mischaracterization of who uh, well, well where 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 does that information come from where did you get that info from okay here we go when we went to Egypt, we spent two or three... Uh, I, I use examples all the time because I'm not intelligent enough to have in-depth knowledge of all sorts of stuff mm. going on all around the world. Yeah. However, a lot of us do that, right? When I went to Egypt to stay with Gabby's school friend and her husband and, and yeah. child, we stayed there for three weeks. Mm. And for three weeks, I watched um, a, a subtitled uh, news channel. Yeah. That news channel referred to the Jew and the evils of the Jew. Uh-huh. The, yes, yeah, right? yeah. This mm-hmm. is national TV. Yes. Everything else about Egypt. Mm. And just look at the swathes of British and Russian tourists. Yeah. Right? Sharm el-Sheikh, the, the pyramids of Giza, all the rest mm-hmm. of it. You know, yeah. Just a, a wonderful tourist destination. It's a country which has our own human culture all the way back to the very... You know, this is... this is It's the cradle of civilization. Yeah, the vast majority yeah. of 
us walked through this place on our way here. Mm. Now, the fact that you have a government TV channel or channels or many channels or, you know, just the, the media in general yeah. is able to put that sort of stuff out, okay? So mm. if you don't think that the Egyptian mindset hasn't been manipulated its entire life politically, then no, that's very naive. Because if you take that same channel mm. and you put that same message on TV in New York mm-hmm. or in Israel, yeah, right? You will have an ex- you have a very different reaction from the public. Total, totally different. What would, what would happen if you were to put that TV channel in place a hundred years ago in those in those countries? Uh, you would you probably wouldn't bat a fucking eyelid, right? Yeah, exactly. They're, they're, those places they'd be very different places. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And the mindsets of those people would be very different. Would the people know? Would they be aware they spent their entire lives being manipulated? I have definitely spent my entire life being manipulated mm. by the UK government, by the media, etc. And my eyes only really, you know, the, the scales only really started to fall from my eyes in my, I guess, we all had that political period in our kind of mid-twenties, but that was just a hormone-driven horseshit, really. <laughs> that's that's choosing that. ideologies based upon who you want to shag. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, 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 yeah. She's yeah. hot as hell. What's that berry about? Let's go and read that placard, right? Yeah, um, I still get a little bit of that about Tulsi Gabbard, <laughs> if I'm honest. About who? Tulsi Gabbard, the American well, Democratic fair candidate. Fair enough. <laughs> I, I, I can't help it. She's lovely. Well, that's how democracy works, you see. Uh, well, yeah, you put the prettiest people up the front and get them to vote. So, But that doesn't explain Boris Johnson. No, it doesn't. It really <laughs> no. Um, and please don't, please, please, if any of your listeners do think that Boris Johnson is a bumbling uh, half-wit, please remember little facts that will nail home what he actually is, which is an extremely dangerous political manipulator and power-hungry narcissist. No worse than Trump. And one of the things that he decided himself to do before appearing on any media, you know what? Mess up his hair. Scruffle his hair. Yeah, I know. You know why? Yeah. That he appears just every man. Look at this bumbling eater. He, 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 he presents himself as an avuncular, bumbling, well, bumblefuck, basically. I, I, yeah, I present myself as Dan Grubb. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a dad, I'm a businessman, I'm trying my best, I'm shit at golf. I'm shit at tennis. I enjoy playing badminton and I like reading books. I like making mm. books and I'm excited about gaming. Mm. That's that's me. That's how I present myself because it's easier just to present yourself as you, I think, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Oh, um, oh, definitely. After fucking years, years as an actor, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, easier to be you. <laughs> exactly, right? So from a from the standpoint of things like um, uh, friendships and, and acquaintanceships and stuff, mm. I have a very small fold of friends who I call friends, among whom I I count yourself, Doggy. Yeah. And I can say my own feelings about stuff, and we can disagree. We can have different opinions about the same Mm -hmm. thing. Yeah. And our friendship remains because, Uh you know, I get pissed off with you. So, well, screw that. That that sounds idiotic to me. And then you come, well, it sounds idiotic to you because X, Y, Z, you know. But I think, think importantly, holding the foundation together that, you know, and – at no point did I mention idiocy or, or question the intelligence of Leave or Remain voters. Mm. All I said, all I said was that we spent our entire lives being manipulated and the voters, the voters in that referendum were manipulated. Now we look at the manipulated. Okay, so we've got all the Leavers here and all the Remainers here and the 
um, and and part of a lot of arguments I've heard is because there was horseshit on both sides, that evens itself out, and we should forget the horseshit and just consider the result as as you know the 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 people who were swayed one way by crooked media and the people who were swayed the other way by crooked media add those together it's all 50 50 take that away and what you're left with is a perfectly democratic decision yes it was close but hey we're out he he my argument would be this who stands to benefit and if the people who stand to benefit who can pump money into campaigns and stuff and this is dark money doggy i'm not talking about the money that has to be um, declared through the government of what was actually spent on the campaign by the Leave and Remain sign on the government. I'm talking about dark money. I could help the Remain campaign by pumping tens of thousands of pounds into Facebook advertising and promoting mm. their own Facebook stuff. I could yeah. just... Uh, yeah. I'd love to be able to do that. I ain't got 10 quid to put into the buggers at the minute. No, no. <laughs> but if I had the, the resources, I could. That would be dark money. Mm. That would be untraceable money. So... My argument is this. I don't think it's leave versus remain and it all equals out perfectly. So ignore all the ignore all the nonsense and what's left is a perfectly democratic decision. I genuinely believe that the people who would benefit from leaving the EU have more money, more power, are way deeper into the capitalist machine and uh, and I mean, examples of, you know, such as James Dyson and these sort of assholes who have pushed and pushed and pushed. This is for Britain, for Britain, for Britain, for Britain. And then the moment the referendum comes and the moment it's they let's move everything to fucking let's move my family to Singapore. Let's move all production to mainland Europe. You know, I mean, they literally just shat on everyone that they that, you know, that in, in the example of Dyson, James Dyson shat on everyone who supported him because he was all for Britain and he used his platform as a British super successful inventor to get mm. people to vote out of the EU. And then he took his entire business, which is a substantial slice for a mm. single man's business, a substantial slice of the UK economy. And he just lifted it up and he kicked his family off to Singapore to go and live in luxury. And he kicked production and everything else into mainland Europe. And he didn't give a shit. He didn't give a shit. He didn't do what he was saying. It wasn't mm. a matter of clever business decision this and clever business decision that. He literally said he would keep his production in the UK. And, and then, then he, he didn't. Moved yeah. it to Europe. Now, yeah. that's not just one asshole, but that's an example of one asshole. And that's yeah. why I believe the leave versus remain propaganda was not even. And as a result, if that if there's an unevenness in that, then there's an unevenness in the... In, once you strip that stuff away, there's an unevenness left in the vote that's left. And I, I think we should have I, had another referendum. Well, you know, you know, I completely disagree with you on that point because because of the fact that the, the you know the EU itself is is a globalist capitalist enterprise. Yeah, I'm absolutely from from from, from ground yeah, yeah. up. So, so so you know to 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 be concerned about capital, you know, these people with the money, these let's let's call them the capitalist elite. Um, there are a lot more capitalist elite on the Remain side who want to keep the status quo because okay. it financially benefits them. And one of the things that came up in the in the, um, in the the podcast I did with Mo, which, um, I mean, you've probably heard a lot of the arguments that she's made and what have you. I, I'd recommend you have a listen to it if you can, yeah. of course, because I want another viewer with a, mm -hmm. and another listener with another review and, and another one of those, you know, like and rate people, like and rate, it really helps. Like and rate and... Yeah, click, click, like, and subscribe, and all of that. But um, one of the things that she brought up, which is a very, a very left wing um, thought, and it is a thought process that I that I had, and it's part of the thought process that I went to when making my decision on how I was going to vote, was yes, there are benefits to the EU. Yeah, um, I'm a socialist. I want the benefits to go to everybody. 
mm-hmm. benefits don't go to everybody. Mm-hmm. And we have to ask why are yeah. entire groups of people, communities and things being left out of this? Yeah, no, absolutely. And who does it benefit? And that 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 to me is is a better socialist argument for leaving the EU than anything else. Right. Because if we look at this thing that like we say, well, it's it's got this massive benefit, and yeah, that massive benefit has been commercial benefit, it has mm-hmm. been relaxing trade rules, um, you know, getting getting um certain restrictions put in place for working time and regulations and all of that kind of thing. But the people who haven't seen any benefit of it are the people who, well, a lot of them, in in our neck of the woods, who stood up and went, we don't want to be in this anymore because we haven't seen any benefit from it. And mm-hmm. that's a totally legitimate argument for wanting yeah, to get absolutely. out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, I, I, yeah. I, do, I, I do understand that argument. Like I said, from, yeah. from Sheffield, I do understand mm-hmm. that argument. I see yeah. the decades-long run-on of bad decisions made mm. by capitalists. Yeah. Let's, let's be right. These are bad decisions made in the past by capitalists that are yes, causing... Yes, like, yes, No, I'm not going to disagree with that. <laughs> and, and the shipbuilding industry to be decimated in Newcastle and some It was fucking uh, killed, yeah. Absolutely. And I mean, by killing an industry, you're killing people. Mm-hmm. You know, these aren't people suddenly donning their flat caps and spending their time at home and, and scrumping for apples. Mm. These are families dying in poverty on the streets of the UK. Mm. at the same time as the people who've made these decisions are not. And I don't think that much power should be in the hands of so few. I think that is the core of all issues relating to mm. disparity in our country. Of course, there's always going to be, you know, neurosurgeons at one end and, and there's going to be street sweepers at the other. Mm. And all performers, uh, uh, you know, all perform an important job. And no, you're not going to pay a street sweeper as much as a neurosurgeon, but mm. nor surgeon going to do his job and go through all his training and plow hundreds of thousands of his own pounds into yeah. some to pay nine quid an hour so yeah. you know there has to be disparity across that's just the spectrum of society and yeah. in that spectrum, there's going to be people who can't get a job can't mm-hmm. be asked to get a job mm-hmm. there's a massive slice of society can't be yeah. asked to get a job and they're lucky enough to live here and mm-hmm. therefore they can they can benefit from the benefit system for no other reason than they're lazy bastards and they want to now, unfortunately, with every society, there is always that slice of person. Always. Oh, of course, of course. In any group, you will have a percentage of bastards, and you can't change it. In a society, you've got to look after the bastards as well. Yeah. And that's it. You've got to look after the bastards as well. Now, in that slice of society, there are also people who huge, great corporations have decided geographically where you live, screw mm. you, screw that industry, because we can get it done cheaper in China. Bang. And yeah. off it and yep. hundreds of thousands of people just fall overnight into poverty. They're losing their houses. They're losing their lives. They're committing suicide. Yeah, and this that's is- rampant globalism. That's 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 one of the that's one of the major issues with globalism as Absolutely. a whole. Absolutely, and, and the EU is a major globalist project. I think that well, yeah. My my friend Steve Trump would definitely agree with you. He's panicking about uh, uh, or has been about a European army and this sort of thing, and and. Uh, and, mm. and and that uh, that has been uh, actually I've I've got I've got video footage of uh, Guy Hofstad yeah, demanding it, that they have one. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and Steve, yeah. Showed, yeah. Steve the same footage. And the mm. the thing is, um, with with all the various, uh, the, what was my argument against the the European army at the moment? The Polish constitution, which of course I have a bare bit of knowledge about, yeah, states Polish yeah. shouldn't be on the ground in foreign wars. Mm. Period. Yeah. 
period. And yet they are. And the reason they are is um, because they're part of the, the EU peacekeeping force, um, you know, so-called peacekeeping force, right? And as a result, Poland gets the protection of everyone else. Yeah. The EU when something goes wrong. You know, like the Ukraine should... Mm. Uh, Wait, wait, no way. No, the Ukraine didn't, did it? Yeah, yeah, didn't. Yeah. didn't no, no. Totally just did. like, just like uh, Bosnia and oh, oh, uh, yeah, no, Bosnia didn't either, and yeah, been quite a few fuck ups on that kind of point, isn't there? That's shocking. That's absolutely shocking, particularly with Putin flexing his tits at the mm-hmm. moment and mm-hmm. uh, looking slyly at Poland's oil and gas reserves, which are vast. Yeah. Um, no, obviously, Gabby's very worried in that regard, as am I. Mm-hmm. And the current lockdown is, uh, I don't know, man. It feels like it feels like someone or something much bigger than any horseshit squabbling about Europe or America. Yeah. Or they, it just yeah. feels like, it feels like someone's hit the pause button on society for a moment to decide where we're going to throw these bombs and who's going to who's going to pay for the clear up afterwards. Mm. That, I think I think one yeah. of the things it's done at the minute, and it's 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 a phrase you brought up before that British wartime spirit. Yeah, this lockdown. Mm-hmm. Even though it's you know the the reason, let's try and find a silver lining for it. Yeah, could actually lead to great you know a, a bit more of a coming together. Yeah, absolutely. In the UK, as people yeah. knuckle down and uh, and go against you know go, go against a common threat. Which Absolutely. is where the wartime spirit of the of you know of course, Britain yeah. in the in the thirties and forties came from. Um, so while it is utterly fucking devastating, I mean, I've I've seen my here's 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 some numbers. Go. Here's some numbers. People are like this, right? Okay. My right. my my work over the past six. I've I've been freelance for seven years now. <laughs> over the course of those seven years, probably as long as you've had Fantastic Books Publishing. Yeah, we're, we're eight in yeah. April. Yeah, yeah, yeah well, but I'll be eight around October. Yeah. So I've been freelance for those for those seven years. It started off very, very small, you know, not not a lot of income coming up through those seven years. And over the past three years, I've been able to exponentially grow to the point where I'm averaging around three and a half grand a month income, which wow. is not to be sniffed at. Absolutely. Not to be sniffed at at all. I've finally managed to get myself out of debts and all kinds of things. Yeah, yeah. And I've seen it wiped overnight. Every single job I had lined up for the next few months gone, yeah. out of it totally. Gonna have to, just gonna have to deal with it. Gonna have to get by. Mm-hmm. I've got some money stashed away. Got some invoices that are still due to come in that are gonna be, you know, honoured and what have you. Luckily for you. Very luckily for me. Oh, very well, luckily for me. Like, I mean, there's pay. There's, there's pay. how many people have been living paycheck to paycheck? Oh, millions. Millions. There's 60, 60 odd million people in this country, and I would say probably around a third of them are paycheck to paycheck. What's happened? The paychecks are gone. The government mm. are setting up schemes. They are setting up schemes for grants for corp- large corporate. If I owned a large they're, corporate, they're, set, they're setting up schemes for individuals at the minute as well. Eighty yeah. percent yeah. of, of their wage, etc. Right? Eighty percent of their income. Uh, yeah. Which the which the um, their employers um, can make up the rest of it to make it a hundred if they should decide. Of exactly. course, that's not going to happen for Weatherspoons. Um, no. Self-employed people like me, we we got told, you know, statutory sick pay. And me, buddy. And you, yeah. Forget, I'm a sole trader running Fantastic Books Publishing. E- exactly. Yeah, you you don't have the protection of being a limited company. No. If this goes tits up, you go tits up. Yeah. Yeah. 
we're very much in the same boat. Yeah. What do you think about the, the you know, the, the Chancellor is, um, they're the feeding out information at the minute that they're working on a scheme for people like us, people who are self-employed sole traders yeah, I, I and whatever. Work. Drew's been uh, putting out some stuff online as well that I spotted yesterday that's, that looks reasonably encouraging. And essentially the, the message is help is coming, hold on, hold fire, just hold tight. Yeah. I'm doing drastic, like, you know, winding up your business, etc. Mm. But I've had self-employed people who, for example, who rely on Fantasticon. Yeah. Who rely on Fantasticon business-wise. Yeah. Uh, the yeah. bar at Fantasticon, the Golden Grail Tavern. Um, yes. Yeah. Fantastic guy called Alex May runs it. He's running Yeah, great people. Yeah. Uh, he's just wound up. And the reason he's wound up is because of this whole thing, because his entire business is taking his mobile bar to events. Yeah. So, so it's his entire business. He had, mm. he had probably hundreds of thousands of pounds of the business lined up over the next two or three years because yeah. of course we're going to keep having him back for Fantasticon. Yeah, yeah. Right? And now it's not going to be... He's really good guy. He's really friendly. He's very mm-hmm. professional, you know? So yeah. of course we're going to have him back. So, so he can, you know, as far as the, the awful phrase that the uber-rich use, futures, are concerned, if you're looking oh, at his business as futures, then, then Fantasticon is part of his futures and a substantial yeah. one. We have been consistently his best weekend trading of the year for three years running by factors. Yeah. You know, yeah. there's a huge thing. So if you're a tiny That's because little- we're all functional alcoholics, mate. That's that's why. Well, yeah. Some of us are less functional than others. But-, <laughs> <laughs> but the fact remains, because of the timing of the con, because people are also yeah. grabbing armfuls of bottles of mead and whiskey and stuff for their for, for mm. family and friends for Christmas and this sort of thing, it's yeah. all it was almost always his most lucrative weekend. Um, yeah. Sadly, because of the coronavirus, even though the convention is mid-August or was mm. planned mid-August, we have cancelled it because I refuse. I refuse to be an organiser who, for nothing more than profit, yeah. risk becoming the perfect international infection vector for the second surge of this virus. Yeah. Now, second surges are extremely common. Mm-hmm. and The Spanish flu in 1918, the second surge killed more than the first. Yeah, yeah. Right? So we've got to be very careful with these sort of global pandemics. Um I refuse to put my company in a position of being essentially responsible for doing that. Whereas mm. if I was a large corporation, Doggy, from what we were mentioning you earlier... probably wouldn't give a shit. I, oh, I, it's not a matter of probably couldn't give a shit. I'm no, you sure. definitely wouldn't give a shit. I would, I would have to not give a shit, and I would yeah. have to be on, because that would be the way of maximising profit. But and then again, we look at the likes of AGX, E3, all of those places are cancelled. All those yeah, places yeah. are shut down. And these are millions and millions mm. of pounds of corporate events. And yeah. it's it's frightening. But again, those events are closing because they're not allowed to be. Mm. Now, Aircon was a an analog gaming festival, board games and tabletop games, right? Yeah. Uh, Chris was there. I spotted him. Uh, uh, oh right, yeah. Uh, yeah, he was he was uh, um, he was uh, demoing for someone. Uh, and we went there with the Gorgon's Loch uh, with mm. the express intent to show it off to as many board and tabletop gamers, so we can get the support of the board and tabletop gaming community. Yeah get them to jump on the Kickstarter and really push it through for three whole days. So mm. for the Friday, I went morning, noon, and night. For the yeah. Sunday, I went morning, noon, and night. And dear Steve Trump dealt with the thing in the middle. Mm. Well, yes, there was the odd elbow bump and fist bump and all this social. But social distancing-wise, this was the Harrogate Convention Centre with nearly 4,000 people in it. Yeah. yeah. Right? And this is a board and gaming festival. So you're not taking an anti-wipe and wiping a VR headset. No. No. You're literally rolling the same dice. Yeah. Passing from hand to hand. 
absolutely. From thousands yeah. of then you go Tokens. and have a soft and you're having a drink and you're yeah. right. So yeah. as far as infection vectors are concerned, Aircon itself finished on Sunday. Mm. And on Sunday evening, literally two and a half hours after the thing finished, Boris came on yeah. and said, you know what? Maybe Locked don't down. hang on to 10 or more people. Mm-hmm. And I'd literally spent three days hanging around with 4,000 people. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So that, that was 10 days ago. Yeah. Was it 10 days ago? Where are we? Uh, 10, it was the, the, the 25th now, yeah. So, yeah, it was the middle of it was 10 days ago. Mm. And in some cases, the incubation period for this thing, I mean, it's between sort of showing first symptoms between four and 14 days. Yeah. So I'm 11 days in. I've got mm. a very high risk father here at the mm-hmm. farm. Um, yeah. My mum's over 60. Hope she'll yeah. um, Gabby's already feeling rough as hell. I've had a sore throat for the days. My daughter, although the her usual bouncy, full energetic self, spent last night in her bedroom right here just coughing like a chain smoking yeah. dog asleep. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a worrying time. It's yeah. a worrying time. And a lot of people have been on the aircon, you know, forums and stuff, chatting away about the fact that they're developing symptoms and self-isolating and all the rest of it. I'm self-isolating with the people I infected. Mm. There, there's no going back now. I can't, there's yeah. no plan me being away from yeah, them. Yeah, you can't get, you can't get out of that, yeah. But the, the laws now is obviously, you know, more than two people and it's all over. Mm. Uh, and, and just to, just to get the, um, just to get the, the facts straight on this one, Doggy, because I saw a hilarious thread on Facebook of someone saying, well, good luck with that. I mean, I'm allowed to go out for one form of exercise, but I'm a single parent with four kids. What am I supposed to do? Leave three of them at home? No. No, means- they said family groups are yeah. fine. Yeah. yeah exactly. Households, family groups are yeah. fine. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. You know, it's at the minute, we all could be... Play- we are. It's easier to think of us all as plague bearers. We are mm. all yeah. plague bearers. We all have the plague. We've all mm. got a completely different plague, and your plague could kill your neighbour, but their yeah. plague could kill you. So yeah. just back the fuck off for a couple of months. Yeah. Just back the fuck off for a couple of months. That's shut, what we need. Shut the doors, turn the internet on, let's all watch Amazon together. And stop going to the beach, you fools. Oh, God. Yeah. Well, uh, well, the, this, that kind of behaviour, the going to the beach, the going to the parks and everything, is why it's now draconian time but drop it down because people can't be trusted we're in stage three lockdown right now yeah italy's now in stage four lockdown Mm. the difference is that the military and the police are are forcibly taking people back to their homes and fighting out of them the military and the police are frog marching people through the streets in italy right now for being dickheads yeah and not social distancing it's not about all that. I was out walking with uh, with with Granny and Lacey and Gabby, and we went out to the Humber Bridge Country Park, and there was yeah. a lady coming along, and Lacey raced over to her. So uh-huh. I arrived about six feet before they before she got to her. Yeah, Lacey, and I jokingly said, "Morning, sorry, my two year old's not very good at social distancing." Yeah, and he said, "Oh, don't worry about any of that nonsense." So I uh- immediately said. No, I am worried. We've got some very high-risk people in our household. And the fact yeah. that you didn't know that should uh-huh. worry you. And then off I went. And hopefully that tiny little seed sank in a little bit. I didn't want to be nasty. I didn't want to be a tosser. No, no, just, just be like factual. Dude, this is the situation, Stop mate. complacent. You might kill those I love. Yeah. There's, a, there's a difference between right. encouraging concern 
and raising a panic. Absolutely. You're encouraging concern. Absolutely, I am. Absolutely, I am. This this dude sounds like he's reacting to the media raising the panic like a tosser instead of going, wait, should I actually be concerned about this? Exactly. Exactly. If you want to go drink driving, that's fine if you own a field with brick walls all around it. (laughs) Yeah. You don't do it down the middle of the fucking motorway. Absolutely. You go drink driving around me, and I find you, I'll kick Mm. your ass. I'll kick your ass driving around me, right? And that's that's the difference. That's the Mm. difference. And yeah. they're all sort of vigilant. I mean, the vigilantism we've had around here, particularly, I mean, it's... it's have you? Yeah, but I mean, in East Yorkshire and in the sort of, uh, in the, there's a place called Orchard Park in Hull. It's sort of tower blocks and it's it's a, um, it's, it's a very high poverty area. And right. Unfortunately, because these kids have been panicked by, by the media to a frothing, wild-eyed frenzy, uh-huh. they're out spitting and coughing and... And and, and 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 kicking off against oh. the cops for trying to disperse them. Oh right? fucking hell! That not only right. are they coughing and spitting and all the rest of it, um, and 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 causing you know a lovely thing for the you know the the virus is just around the corner. Look, and you keep it up, lads, right? Yeah. But then of course more police are called. Of course, yeah. So then you've got groups, uh-huh. van loads, van yeah. loads packed full of policemen, or just to be, make it absolutely clear, van loads of people's mums and dads and brothers and sisters and grandparents yeah. and, grandparents and granddaughters crammed together in a van to deal with three idiot teenagers throwing mm-hmm. rocks and spitting at each other. And all of those coppers are going to have to go back to their households. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, it's... But you, you mentioned vigilantism, so are, are people actually starting to try and take the law into their own hands and disperse people themselves? By vigilantism, what I meant was kicking back against what the government are responsible. Oh, right, right. Okay, so, okay. I guess, I, guess anar- I guess anarchism would be a better word. Anarchism would probably be a better descriptor of that one. Yeah, that, that, that urge to fucking kick off and, yeah. When I get my respirated suit and my Batman mask on again, then, you know. Then there'll be some vigilantism. Vigilantism. (laughs) (laughs) Grub man. It's frustrating. It's upsetting. And these kids, they've never, they've never known. I'm lucky. I've never known war. I've I've known Mm, people, war, and people come through wars and I, I, you know, but, uh, and without wishing to give away too much of my super secret history. (laughs) We nearly got him to reveal his secret identity, folks. <laughs> We're getting close. I, I'm convinced you're Banana Man. That's that's my theory, anyway. Quite you. Ah, <laughs> see, see. Who was that ba- guy? Banana Man, right there. But right, let's 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 get off the maudlin topic. Yes, absolutely. Hi. Because I I want to talk I want to talk to you about the 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 big thing that I saw you guys do, which uh-huh. is moving from publishing books to publishing yeah. games. And you've talked briefly before about about Gorgon's Lock in context of the of the convention and what have you. But tell us a bit more about that. Why why sit there and go right? I've got do perfectly. You know I'm doing well. I say I'm doing perfectly fine selling books. That not the case as we've discussed but it's like you know i've got i've got some best i've got some really good selling authors i've got some great content and everything coming up i know what we need another fucking arm to this business making (laughs) board games which i know this because i've tried to make board games before it's not a fucking easy task 
No. It's really no. not. And you you haven't just gone for let's whack together something kind of like Monopoly or a bit of a Snakes and Ladders. You, what you've gone for is this, this um, you, you've gone for a gaming system that allows new players and more seasoned tabletop players to come together and really experience that have the tabletop experience without sitting there and going, shit, I've got to read through 65 pages of a rule set yeah. before I can even fucking start. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. So what inspired that? What made you go, right, yeah, this is the idea? What inspired it? Okay, so um, as a kid, lots of my uh, friends and their dads mainly were into, mm. uh, I don't know why it was more the, more the fellas, but it was mainly dads. There was a... There was, there was a there was a couple, so that was my man and dad, but I don't remember any any single older ladies being into this game. Anyway, they were into forty mm. K Warhammer stuff, you know, the ta- the oh, big yeah. tabletop yeah. stuff. Um and I have multiple memories of being sort of at that height of the table. And mm-hmm. uh, take that out of context, by the way, and that looks terrible. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna cl- clip that and meme it the fuck later. Could you, could you just could you just wave to the people off just in front of you a little bit? <laughs> Just, I just do it. that, Dad. I'm recording all of this. You know this. You know it. You, you, you consented to everything. I know. I have. You, you, do, do with it as you will. It's all good. Yeah. It's all good. Yeah. Well done, fireman. It's, it's fire. I'm happy to be kindling. So, uh, so. I have multiple memories of various different garages and various other things with these mm. amazing boards set out and obviously lots of lots of green powdered kind of, you know, dust-covered hills and, and chicken yeah. wire in the corner and this sort of thing. And these oh. vast, great gaming things. And I have memories of the beautiful landscapes, mm-hmm. of the individual figures, of them yeah. all being laid up, mm-hmm. but never having played them. Never. Yeah. Never yeah. seen them played. I, I, I remember multiple warnings. Mm-hmm. That. Leave that alone. Don't touch that. We're halfway through a game here, and this was yeah. the adults getting together in the evening, yeah, and playing their games and having their rulers and having their twenty-sided dice and all the rest of it, right? Mm-hmm. And these these super thick rule books and like like you say, you know, death by rule is something that, that a lot of people complain about when trying to get into a new, very complex game. Yeah, uh, definitely. I have memories of these amazing things and places and all this kind of you know wonderful stuff, but the only things the adults had talked to me about was how tough they were to paint and look at this one and do you yeah. like this little symbol on his arm? This means he's from this faction and this sort of thing. But at no point you say, look, grab, grab a set of dice, let's do this. Mm-hmm. It wasn't even on the on the cards. Yeah. So as a result, I had my entry into Warhammer and Dungeons and Dragons and this sort of thing stifled for many, many years. Mm. And so when I was 16, 17, uh, just finishing off school, heading to college, um, at that point, I was finding myself in, in you know, marijuana-filled bedrooms with people mm. with a you know little table in the centre, and they were playing playing a few bits and bobs of Dungeons and Dragons. And I would be, I would be the guy looking over the shoulder. I would mm. be the guy helping someone else who already knew what they were doing. And I yeah. never really got pulled into running, having my own character, or running my own scenarios, or, or you know, never been been a games master ever. Mm. Yeah. As a result, I never really got into that side of things. Now, yeah. actually got into other more physical stuff, and I ended up, you know, climbing and, and karate and all sorts of stuff instead. And mm. I guess, you know, that's we all have different hobbies, right? But well, it's important for your Batman training, definitely. Uh, there we go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as, 
belt. I just made sure my tool belt isn't on ship here. Um, so as a result, I never really got into that gaming side. And it, it was a loss to me. Um, yeah. Gaming, of course, we're all playing computer games as well. Uh, but but that kind of analog getting together and, and playing together thing, I, I felt that as a physical loss because mm. a lot of my friends were going, they were just far too in deep with it and they were, they were traveling all over the country to these sort of conventions and things. Um, and I was just never in that and I felt kind of left out. Mm. Fast forward to my 20th, 21st, 22nd birthday and uh, a mate bought me uh, Hero Quest. Ah, yes. Yeah. The board was there. The maps were in the book. Mm-hmm. You used six-sided dice, albeit the the slight the the weird sort of combat dice, but they're still six-sided dice. They look like normal yeah. dice, They've got little skulls on them, this sort of thing. But they mm-hmm. look like six-sided dice. This immediately is more accessible. Yeah. So I start to play it within a couple of three games. I'm being a dungeon master, and I've got the little you know I've I've, I've got the you know I've got the screen in front of me, and I'm all, you know, and yeah. I'm suddenly into this world, and I realise I'm getting into this world. Mm. Fast forward again. And Harry starts to talk to me about Warhammer right? And, and Dragons and the fact that he's very interested in getting in and he's already bought one of the rule books on his Kindle and mm-hmm. right through the rule book and all the rest of it. And I, my immediate thought, although I was happy for him, was bloody hell, son. You're more <laughs> into Warhammer now than I ever have been. Yeah. Uh, and then at, 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 a, at a fantastic on, Michael Brooks passed me um, a, a, a Space Hulk. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was sort of a modular, it mm. works like HeroQuest, but it's modular rooms, modular uh, uh, corridors, and you've yeah. got you've got space marines and aliens, and essentially it's a last as long as you can before you get killed scenario. These aliens yeah. don't come in, right? But it's an amazing game. It's a bit more complex. You've got things like mm. blob radars and this sort of thing. And that was that really excited me when I, I got into those. No way at all could I have started with Space Hulk. No. But I had the HeroQuest stuff in the back of my mind, and I thought, what HeroQuest did for me I want to be able to do for the millions of people out there who reach for Monopoly twice a year, reach for Life or Ludo, these Mm. sort of mundane dice rollers. I want something exciting that they can play together. And I want want kids to be able to play with parents and grandparents all together and them all to have fun rather than just the, okay, it's the grandparents playing snakes and ladders with a six-year-old again. Yeah, yeah. Grandparents aren't having a good time, kids. They're not. No. no. <laughs> so instead of going for a big board, which would have been much cheaper, yeah. we went for modular board pieces. The mm. reason we went for modular board pieces is that you can then rearrange them to your own dungeons if you want to. Yeah. The reason we've stuck to six-sided dice is because just using standard D6s, and they're just normal dice. There's no weird symbols or anything else. Yeah. It's literally one to six, two dice. Um, and the reason we're using D6s is because Everyone knows what a D6 is. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows what a D6 represents. Yeah. And even kids can, you know, can, can add up to numbers. Yeah. So the reason why we created the storm system, we called it storm for a very cute reason that I can't divulge here, unfortunately, but we'll have a chat later. Oh, um, right. Okay. There, there's some secrets, some Batman secrets for you. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You'll never be able to broadcast them, doggy. Oh, shit. Uh, What's the point in knowing? I know, knowing stuff without being able to tell everyone else. Shocking, I know, shocking, shocking. It's against my entire ethos, that. <laughs> so the storm system involves being able to give, take, use, fight, search, and move your way around the board pieces as your little standees, right? Yeah. So super simple way. You, you set the board up, you choose your character, you roll 2d6 to determine your health for the whole scenario, and then you mm. roll up 
2d6 to decide how many action points you've got to use for that turn. And then you right. use those points, if you've got enough, to give, take, use, fight, search, and move. That's mm. it. That's how a character moves its way around the dungeon. That's it. Right. So essentially, you're up and running in two or three minutes. No right. death by book, no uh -huh. character generation. They're all pre-generated characters. Yeah. Um, and there are subtleties. Each character's got a specialist skill you can attempt to activate. And mm. essentially, the characters are all identical as far as attack and defense are concerned, but each one has a subtly different specialist skill. So depending yeah. on your strategy, choose your character wisely. Um, mm. There are certain uh, enemy generation uh, things where where you can you can utilize thin pieces like corridors to funnel your enemies towards you. Unless of right. course there's a master in charge of them, and then they're no longer AI. But we've uh -huh. designed the AI so that you're so that you don't need to have a games master. You can play the Gorgon's Lock by yourself. Right. right? So you know we designed we designed the thing to be a solo game. So we thought, well, what happens then if you're playing a solo game and your mate turns up? Do you stop? Do you restart? Well, no, ideally, we'd want him to, him or her to be able to drop drop in. Yeah. So we also designed it with a very easy drop-in, drop-out mechanic. Right. So you already know how you start the game. 2D6 mm. for health. 2D6 for action points. Use your action points, and that's your go-over, right? Mm-hmm. Eight turns up an hour in. What's this? Oh, do you want to have a go? Okay, choose a character. He pops his character into the start room. He rolls 2D6 for his health. He rolls 2D6 mm. for action points, and it's his turn. And he's so off. Absolutely. And then he realizes he's left his cat on fire or whatever it happens to be. He picks his thing up and disappears. You know, I mean, how mm -hmm. many times a alone, right? Well, um, obviously, yeah. He's got a cat like mine, clearly. <laughs> and he can just as easily drop out. Yeah. Which means that for your gaming evenings, when everyone suddenly gets pissed and wants to go and dance in the, dance in the garden for a bit, but there's mm. two of them still want to play, and then they come back because they're bored or it started raining or the cat's on fire and they want to jump back in, they can. And that's why I designed this game. It's it's an extremely hard game to pitch because mm. it's pitched. It's a tabletop game pitched at people who don't play tabletop games but should. Right. Yeah. It, you know, leave Monopoly. You know that, that layer of dust in Monopoly? I want, it, I want that yeah. layer to be two years deep. Yeah, because you're playing Gorg Gorgon's Lock instead. I want you to grab Gorgon's Lock because it's, because it's fun. Uh, it's exciting. Someone said it's like Hero Quest, but this is better. I mean, I almost fell over when I heard that, given how nice. Uh, yeah, yeah. Really nice review. That's going to be going on all the marketing from this point. Yeah. Stick it on the box. Oh, right. <laughs> Get sued by MB Games. Yay. It's like Hero Quest. Like Hero Quest, but better. <laughs> then you get the cease and desist letter through the door. <laughs> came from it came from a uh, just a just a board game player who come to aircon mm. and he sat down and he he just said it he just said it and it was lovely and uh, i'm happy with it so far the gorgon's lock has received 100 percent positive reviews that's ridiculous wow. we've been that is ridiculous thousands of hours of game dev hundreds mm. of hours of play testing hundreds of hours of playthroughs at conventions like aircon and um, mm -hmm. board game cafes up and down the country 100 percent positive yeah. Because we're not pitching this as a complex game to rival Dungeons and Dragons or Gloomhaven or any of these other yeah. wonderful worlds. Yeah. And we're not pitching it as a kids game. Mm. It's 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 the it's the stepping stone game. It's the introduction to the wide and wonderful game of 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 uh, of board and tabletop gaming. And the whole point It's a gateway drug. 
it is a gateway drug and we've been told it's a gateway drug, but we've also been told in very stern words by our marketing department not to use the phrase gateway. <laughs> <laughs> but it does introduce people using magic mm-hmm. with cards. Yeah. All right. So we've got that whole thing already with the whole magic, the gathering, everything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, bowling, moving standees around a dungeon, um, mm-hmm. uh, dealing with a games master, dealing without a games master, um, mm-hmm. uh, Really get it, it introduces subtle aspects of role playing without there being necessary without them being necessary. So each card, yeah. a description of the character, a picture of the character, and on the back the specialist skill and why they've got the specialist skill in the mm-hmm. little book that comes with it. There's a little bit more history about each character. So if you do read into it, you know if you want to play the the greedy dwarf or indeed the brave tank dwarf, you go mm. ahead and write it. And we found that people who are just not interested in the slightest in role-playing games. Suddenly mm. find themselves, yeah, well, I am a dwarf. You know, little phrases like that. Yeah, and it's yeah. wonderful to see people getting sort of drawn into their character. And, of course, in doing so, then it, we've, we've had a wonderful situation where someone said, uh, what are you doing? And the other players said, uh, well, I mean, I'm, I'm just, just having a quick coffee. And he said, no, no, what's Erin doing? And he points at the character. Uh-huh. And he, he was directly addressing this. Yeah. Other what are you doing? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, and it's wonderful. Yeah. We've had grandparents playing with grandkids. We've had grandparents mm. playing with grandkids and the grandkids playing the dungeon master and kicking the grandparents' ass <laughs> <laughs> and defeating them in the dungeon. This is not an easy game. It's not an everyone mm. gets prize, totally won't yeah. game. Right? I mean, the combat, uh, the combat system is brutal. If you're up against um, if you're up against an enemy that has the same statistics as you, yeah. Uh, if you're attacking the enemy, you roll two d six, and mm. the enemy defends with two d six. The difference mm. is damage. Yeah. There's no counter attack mechanics. You can't get injured on your turn. But yeah. Um, you know, unless you fall into a trap or whatever, which there are plenty of. But in in combat, you can't get injured on your turn. So there's no counter attack mechanic. Right. That'll be later with a sort of more advanced set of rules. But I'll talk about that in a minute. But mm. The, the combat mechanic itself, it can be brutal because if you've got 2d6 versus 2d6, I could mm. roll a 12, you could roll snake eyes. Yeah. So I, 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 could, I could administer 10 damage points to you and given the maximum you can have is 12, yeah. that'd be absolutely brutal. Now, the Gorgon Queen, she attacks with three dice and defends with three dice and has eight health points. So right. she, is, she is a substantial piece of work, right? She's a nasty... Yeah. But it's possible to defeat her because if you attack her with 2d6 and mm. she rolls three snake eyes, as it were, yeah. or radioactive if she rolls radioactive snake eyes. If she rolls Blinky from The Simpsons, that fish with the three eyes. From The Simpsons, thank you. Blinky, that's the name I would have. Yeah. If she rolls a Blinky, then you're going to kill her with two dice. You could kill mm. her with one dice, right? So, uh, so we've had situations where the Gorgon Queen's been defeated by a single bow mm. at long distance. Because you know, bow attacks with one dice, but again, you know, um, but without wishing to sort of lean into the realm of Rimmer recounting his risk story. <laughs> yes, <laughs> six and a four. Yeah, but uh, no, it, it is exciting. It's very high paced, um, mm. uh, very fast paced. You're always busy doing something. Uh, you, you know, there's 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 treasure, there's trading, there's there's combat. Um, it's really fun. And then the coronavirus lockdown has arrived. And it's totally screwed our Kickstarter over, unfortunately. Mm. Live right now for the next week, but we're about 30 grand short. So if you know oh. anyone, super rich philanthropists who want to jump in, 
come in and have well, a go. I don't know super rich philan- philanthropists, but I do know an awful lot of nerds. Nerds, nerds will do it. Come nerds. Nerds come will do it. And welcome well, to the law. Well, what um, we're going to be doing on the YouTube here, um, for those of you who are watching on YouTube, you'll notice there's an overlay down at the bottom on the left hand, on the right hand side, the right hand bit. Yeah, that that bit, just beneath you, Dan. Just point down. Just point I don't down. Know. They're, they're looking at, uh, there you go. There you go. The down bit, right there. That's the kick. That's the Kickstarter address. Put it in there, and you can get hold of a copy of Gorgon's Lock. You can do the pre-order. There's how many days left? Are, are we currently at? It's the 25th of March right now. 25th of March. I, 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 March, I believe there's six, but six been, days left. Um, I've, I've been spending this morning rather than diving on the Kickstarter like I should have been. I've spending mm. this morning listening to the middle of. Drew Wagar's audio recording of Shadewood uh, Exoneration. Which, uh, d- yeah. no, this isn't the last one, is it? No, it's not. That's this the audio. This is the penultimate one. It's, no, the, the, the uh, Exoneration is, is the second. However, mm. oh. the, the last one, Enervation. Enervation, yeah. Or is en route. It's the last one. I know, I know. I've been, I've been waiting desperately because in, in the background, while you guys have been, you know, working on Drew's magnum opus and is creating this amazing universe, which is, for from what I know, is merely just a, a teeny tiny bit. He's going J.R.R. Tolkien, yeah. is our Drew. Yeah, but while a, that's a, been going on in the background, me and Drew have been disassembling his books. Ah, wonderful. Because we are going to try and develop a TV series pitch for them. Ah, fantastic. Fantastic. So that's what we've been sneakily looking at in the background as the narrative's been growing to get that. Because it's it's one of those things. If you haven't read Drew's Boots, please do. Go to fantasticbookspublishing.what? I'll tell you what. Go to the fantasticbookstore.com. Yep. Check out the books there, but then immediately go to Amazon and review it. Yes. Do that. Give it a review. Give it a thumbs up. Read the book first before you write the review. All right? I'd watch should... uh, I'd watch a TV series of Meru's story alone. Mm. Yeah. Although a character, you know, he may or may not become, no spoilers, etc. Um, mm-hmm. um he's he's not kind of the main focus of of the first couple of books. Uh, yeah. but I would watch Meru's story alone. I think that I do um, has alone would would televise beautifully. Yeah, really. yeah. I mean, looking looking at the pace of the. I mean, I'm coming at it from a screenwriter perspective. Looking at the paces of the books, the structures of the books, yeah. and everything like that, it lends itself very easily to adaption yeah. without too much change. The only thing that's shitting my pants is things like giant slug monsters, and these well, the the environments. But then see what they did with the Mandalorian. Yeah. They've 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 changed they've changed the way that we can approach putting people into fantasy worlds now by using a gigantic LED screen mm-hmm. with the environment on the LED screen and you just shoot it and it's incredible because then you get things like real reaction and mm. real and, and real sort of eye to slug contact as it were right <laughs> totally. Totally. Instead of just a bunch of people in green suits grabbing at people. <laughs> so obviously you're a Father Ted fan. Uh, uh, yes, I am very much. So uh, uh, Dougal working out which one's close, which one's small and which one's far yeah. away. Yeah. yeah. If it's a giant slug monster, I'm just saying it could. 
don't, 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 don't. I'm the visual effects artist, mate. Just, just take a seat. Take a seat. <laughs> you, you're just the book's publisher. You get your cut. Don't worry. Don't worry. We'll see what happens. But yeah, we've been we've been having some great fun t- seeing all the little bits come apart, and I've been getting some spoilers on what's to come. But I don't haven't done too much work because I want to get the last book in me before yeah. I uh, before we we settle down and start scripting because then we that's, know where everything's going. That's the whole story of that cast, but it's mm. by no means the whole story of that universe. I think there's lots not of, at all lots of side projects and short stuff planned from Drew in the future as well. So yeah. Mm. The, watch this space for that one but but get stuck into the shadewood saga he's been working on it for ages um mm. uh, the shadewood saga actually was paused for the elite reclamation project yes yeah, yeah i remember that yeah ed book the first one um whole mm. uh, salome and everything but uh but the shadewood thing has been in in drew's sort of creative radar for for many many years and, mm. and that he's just reached the denouement now and it's uh, oh yeah it's it, yeah it's it's incredible it's incredible and well worth it i am extremely aware as publisher that it's super easy for me to just accidentally trip over a spoiler for one of the earlier books so yeah. i'm not going to no don't go in all of the shadewood books immediately so when, when are we due to say book number four arrive that's a good question. Um, it's definitely coming very soon. Um, we were, we're going to be releasing it um, a couple of months earlier than we planned to. Now I find myself with a little more time at home, as do the editors. Uh, mm. Luckily, luckily we can run a lot of things digitally. Although, um, you know, I am having to cancel things like the London Book Fair or whatever. So, yeah, it, it, you know, this this whole nonsense has had uh, has had a savage effect. However, um, we're going to be looking at I think probably July. Maybe a little earlier, June, July time. Yeah, July for the culmination of the Shadewood saga. Plenty of time to catch up on the first three books as well, if you have. Indeed, or indeed, reread them if you if you uh, haven't read them for a while. Definitely, I've got, I've got my, I've got. Oh God, I was about to say, I've got my Kindle right here with them on, but it's up next to my bed because I was reading it when I was going when I went to sleep last night. So yeah, it's good. I I have enjoyed getting the Kindle. I used to be dead set against Kindles. And the idea of the Kindle. So silly, man. So silly. Well, it's until it's until I started staying in a lot of hotels. It's like, I don't want to take six heavy books with me. Yeah, exactly. I've, I've got a few hundred on my Kindle. Yeah, absolutely. And how much more sangria can you fly back if you've got a thousand books on a Kindle as opposed to a thousand books in your suitcase, right? It's, exactly. You know. Exactly. I, I wouldn't be able to smuggle in all my cigarettes. I, I didn't say smuggle. <laughs> I meant transport legally through customs. Snuggle, snuggle with your cigarette. Snuggle, I snuggle my cigarette. I love my cigarettes. They're very nice. Yeah. They're very lovely. So, so Gorgon, Gorgon's lock itself. Yeah. Lock. What's lock? Lock. Right. This, this, this weirds me out, right? Because the yeah. Gorgon is from Greek myth. Yes. And a lock is a Scottish inlet. Yes. What? What's going on? I, your confused face is your cutest face, so I was just letting it hang for a moment. Yeah, well, every, everybody now gets to see the cute, but fucking hell, man, explain this to me. We've got we've got Greek myth and Scottish geography slamming themselves together. Like culture porn. Pow, pow. pow. Here's these two things I like. Let's make them do sex. <laughs> That's what you've done, isn't it? You've just gone, I love Scotland. Oh, and the Gorgon's great. Yeah. Let's go on. Absolutely, yeah. So, um, uh, uh, so the second game, uh, mm. Olympus Waffle, 
is coming to know. Loch is pronounced like the Scottish body of water, but isn't the Scottish so, body of water. So what is it? What do you know about the Gorgon's Loch, the game? What, what about about the game? What do you know about it? I'm, I'm going to sort of... I, 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 I know that I've bought a first edition copy, I think. Legend, thank and, you. And that I haven't had the chance to actually play it. No worries. Okay, uh, give me a second. Let's, here we go. This is the pitch, folks. This is this is the pitch. He's got all oh He's got a box. He's got a box <laughs> in his hand. For those of you who are listening to this on iTunes and Spotify, we are being presented with the beautiful artwork of the Gorgon's Lock game. Yeah. Okay, so there's the Gorgon Queen herself, and she's looking through what can only be described as a sort of crystal ball, um, where the adventurers are battling away within. Um, against her various evil forces. Uh, she oh. has of a dungeon, and it's a mm. magical dungeon, and you're already dead. That's the important thing about the Gorgon's Lock. There's no escape. You're already dead. She has snatched your soul uh, when it was en route to wherever your deity thought it worthy of going and has right. thrown a magical evil dungeon as essentially her unwilling gladiators. Oh. Cycling your souls around to be destroyed and reincarnated ever since for centuries and centuries and centuries. That's the that's the story behind the Gorgon's Loch. Um, right. Place in a magical dungeon. And my wife is Polish mm -hmm. as an artist. And she's the Gorgon Queen. So mm. the Gorgon's Loch. And I'll let Doggy put the rest of it together. It, 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 it's a Polish thing for dungeon. It is, yeah. The, the, if by thing well, we... there we go. There we go. There yeah. we go. It's it's not Greek mythology and Scottish geography. It's Greek mythology, Polish Polish words. Greek mythology and the Polish word for dungeon. Uh, and also, we use magical scrolls in the uh, in the in the game. Uh, you find mm. them by searching through the dungeons. It's got these cards with magical scrolls on them, and the magical. Yeah. The artwork has um, uh, the, the scrolls themselves. Uh, there's different artwork being created for each scroll type. And then mm. Gabby has created Norse um, symbology, uh, which means roughly what each of the magic scrolls does. So the scroll of power, it has a huge mm. sort of, uh, it looks like a capital N. And that's. Um, oh, that's, like runes. Like yeah. runes on there. Yeah. Nor Norse. Oh. Runes. Yeah. So that's very nice. Cool. We just smashed together lots of different mythologies that we think make for an exciting, mystical, evil, um, and magical dungeon. And that's Fantastic. That. So that's the Gorgon's Lock. Um, it's going to be released regardless. I don't mm. really want to do a slow rollout um, as we get the cash and all this sort of thing. I would much rather fund it through Kickstarter. So yeah. if we are... If we are um, the, well, the whole point of doing the Kickstarter thing, which, this is important, mm. Um we don't have access to 50 or 60 grand to throw at this thing. Um, no, no. We need that, including promotion and marketing, um, mm. to uh, to get it out to the world, to get it out to the people we want it to. And also, for not um, for not charging 60 or 70 quid retail for it. Now, this there's mm. two kilos of stuff in this box. There's a, there's yeah. a list. There's a list of what's on it. I'll, I'll sort of hold it up to the camera. I know, I know you guys listening on audio can't see this. There's a whole yeah. list of stuff that's in this box. And there's a lot. There is. There's lots and lots. It's all super high quality because the whole point is that you can move it around and use it over and over. So we've mm. we've made everything as durable as we can. We've made everything yep. as high quality as we can. And as a mm. result, in order to get the price down to something reasonable, we need to shift at least 1,500 units of each version. 
So we've got the right. standard the, um, uh, and the first edition. Now, if mm. we were to shift 1,500 of each, that's going to come to about £90,000, in fact. So mm. we would smash the Kickstarter out of the water. We're asking for 34.7. If we make yeah. 4.7, then it will be possible to uh, to create this thing and have it on the shelves of your hometown for 30 quid. In fact, 27 quid. And we wow. can still have profit on that 27 quid to mm. put in development things like expansion packs, new character, yeah. new weapons, new armor, new traps. Mm monsters new enemies so and also new adventures of course and new campaigns yeah. the whole point of this thing is to light the touch paper behind something that we hope to develop for years and years and years um mm. got so many plans for the future of this game and for this game system we've even got different games lined up that use the same system as well so yeah. there are different there are different worlds and different uh, on, on different bits of the timeline um uh, mm. for uh, to just kind of attract all sorts of different players. We've got a sci-fi one. We've got a comedy mm. vampire one that includes a trap of garlic bread. That's <laughs> and it's the 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 sci-fi one is is um, it's got electromagnetic pulses and and mm. and data pads and and uh, and infected and an infection mm. control. Which if we really had a thought about it, and you know, it's pretty coronary friendly. But uh, yeah. <laughs> Lock right now, but we have all these things all set to go with the gaming division, uh, mm. and all we need is for this Kickstarter to be successful. And you will see two or three years worth of mm. game development to do with the Gorgon's Lock with this Kickstarter alone. Yeah, you know, so that's that's the reason why we're going for so much in such a short amount of time. We were told mm. that thirty-day Kickstarters have a much higher success rate than sixty-day Kickstarters, which is why we went thirty, um, mm. and got six days left and 30 grand to find so um yeah it's uh yeah you know, it's not looking great if i'm perfectly honest in fact i will now go and visit uh, the gorgon's lot kickstarter and i will tell you exactly where we are and exactly how long we've got to go great because because well, i mean this isn't your first time doing kickstarters obviously no, you've run no. kickstarters to get uh, the fantastic odds over the years going and what have you and um this will be our set this will be your seventh. Little. This will be your seventh. Uh, so you know, over the course of a Kickstarter, you get an influx at the beginning. You get a little bit of a trickle off, and then yeah. at the end, you get a bit, a bit more of a. At the end, you get a little push as well. But it's going to have to be a hell yeah. of a push. So we've got it six will. to go. Uh, it's going to finish at eight p.m. on the thirty-first of March. Eight p.m. in right. eight in the evening, thirty-first of March, uh, GMT, and we are currently uh, one hundred and forty-seven legends, including your good self, doggy have helped us raise 5,158 quid. Mm -hmm. And we're looking for three, uh, 34,700. So there's less than 30 grand to go, but only a little bit less than 30 grand to go. So there's well, a substantial amount in there. Well, uh, we'll keep our fingers crossed that we'll yeah. be able to get you across the line and at least we'll use this this podcast here to get it out in front of a few more people who would be interested in it. Please, mate, you are you, you, you're linked up with me on Discord. You can post to my Facebook page. You can put whatever you need to in our Discord and what have you. I'm, like, I, I'm happy to hear, though, that even if the Kickstarter isn't successful in the way you want it to be, you're still going to go ahead with it because I think I think this is it's something that's definitely missing from the marketplace that little bridge between your bog standard dice roller and getting into something with a bit more depth and a bit more 
bit more to it and i like the idea of the expansions and everything as well that's what i thought you were going to do it would be a base game and then you could build upon it and the way you describe the system there it can yeah. scale out and become as complex as it needs to be absolutely i mean i was mentioning about the about the more advanced rules and the fact that there could mm. be a counter attack mechanic in the combat and all the rest of it but without yeah. wishing to get too in depth into the rules because that's just going to be really boring if you haven't got the game in front of you um mm. what we want to do is we don't want to release um, advanced Gorgon's Lock. What we want no. to release is an advanced set of rules. Mm. Use the same pieces, the same characters, mm. the same dice, everything else. And all we yeah. release is essentially a free or just for a couple of quid version of the rules in PDF that mm. people can just use as an advanced version of the Storm System. You know, yeah. so you to develop an advanced version of the Storm System. And the reason why the development takes so long is that because we want to make an advanced version of, this, of the game system as opposed to the game system within this one particular game, mm. uh, we need to put in a lot of development to make that advanced system work across the board. So yeah. whether we're talking about magical scrolls or data pads mm. or, um, or you know, uh, angry vampires, um, the, yeah. it needs to work for everyone, for every board section, for everything. You know, So there are certain subtleties we need to test and test and test to death. Um, mm. So that's going to be a little while before the advanced version comes out. But we're we're desperate to hear about people's homebrews of this. Um, yeah. When we were showing it off at Aircon, one of the things we did was we sat down with a couple of reviewers and we mm. just pushed all the game pieces together, all the board pieces. We just slammed them all together. We sprinkled yeah. connector sections over everything. Um, and we put every single win scenario for all six scenarios in the campaign on yeah. one map. And we just sprinkled a few enemies around set them off in the start room and off they went two hours mm. later they'd completed everything they would defeated over 50 enemies including the gorgon queen and they loved it Great. and that was a couple of reviewers so mm. um you know these are people who'd specifically come to aircon to find interesting things to talk about and they burned two hours of their weekend just playing the gorgon's lock with us so um, you can't you can't get better better reviews than that that professional no, paid to show off the thing um, mm. are, are happy to come and burn a couple of hours just to play your game. And they had fun and they were laughing and joking and, um, you know, throwing the hands of infrustration, getting killed and sent back to the start room and, and you know, all Everything this sort of, you want to see. Yeah, absolutely. Just yeah. busy, dynamic gaming. And it's mm. it's fun. I and mean, I, I, I like it. I believe in it. And 147 of you guys do too. We could do with it being about 1,500. So. 1500 people well i've got i've got, i still haven't broken 2000 on twitter but i'm I'm sure i might be able to get a couple of hundred go get your there. way you'll get there and <laughs> see what we can do so that's 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 branching out that's branching out and doing yeah. and, and doing um fantastic books gaming but so what's in the future for fantastic books publishing Okay, so Fantastic Books Publishing currently looks after over 100 people's work, uh, including our contracted authors and uh, mm. those charity an anthologies and this sort of thing. We want to lean more toward, uh, obviously we have our clutch of best-selling authors who are the mm. core of our business and they are our family. Um, everyone in the publishing house at the moment is just being so supported in the current situation, which is wonderful, helping yeah. us tweet and push out our stuff and sharing our bits and bobs. But we are going to have to contract the publishing house a little mm. and the way we're going to do that is we're going to be concentrating more on uh, as well as our, our, our authors in the fold at the moment we're going to be concentrating more on getting audio adaptations of all of their work out there into the world because yep. uh, we have a lot of, of partially sighted and blind uh, fans who, who mm -hmm. are just desperately clawing for our uh, uh, for our audio stuff so we're going to start working through our backlog and getting the backlist sorted out in audio as well 
Um, yeah. Working through all his stuff, for example. Uh, we're going to be running more charity competitions because although we're still supporting 30 or 40 odd charities through our author sales and through mm. our, our various sort of clutch of anthologies, uh, we want to do more. And the way we do more is we'll run a paid competition, we'll give a slice of that uh, submission fee to a charity, and we'll give mm. an ongoing donation for every sale on those charity anthologies. So yeah. there's the competition that's just closed, a horror competition. We'll be making an announcement about that in the next week. Um, mm -hmm. and then we've got various other competitions coming up, so keep an eye on the website for that. So that's Fantastic Books Publishing. We're very lucky in the situation we're in to be able to essentially tick over um, yeah. while, while the whole lockdown kind of disperses and, and hopefully customer confidence comes back. Um, as far as the gaming side is concerned, we only have one game at the moment. Mm. It is Morgan's Lock, so that's all our focus. But this lockdown will also give us an opportunity for the gaming team to look into uh, possibly other games, possibly taking mm. on card games or more simple-based games. Um, so mm. that's, that's where the gaming division's going. I've spoken about the audio. We're going to be running through the whole backlist as soon as finances allow, really. Um, yeah. And as far as Fantasticon's concerned, it's very much just been wiped by the lockdown. Fantasticon is not dead. It's still mm. there in the background. We've got all our friends and networks uh, that are still, still happy to help. It's just um, the fact that this year, unfortunately, we're not prepared to take the risk of being that second resurgence of the virus, mm. um, yeah. uh, you know, vector. So, uh, so that, that's why, but yeah, that's, that's the future of our little business. And while we're at home, I'm going to be doing more gardening, mm -hmm. more, spending more time with the family. My phone died. My phone died like five days ago. Yes. Wonderful. Absolutely. Wonderful. I, I can yeah. hardly recommend it. I mean, I've, I've reverted back to my old handset, unfortunately, because business, oh but, um, but those three days were bliss. In the morning, I wake up and do the morning shift with Lacey from 6 a.m. every morning. Mm -hmm. We're on the sofa, and I sat there, and we chatted about the children's TV we were watching, rather yeah. than Lacey watching children's TV and me glaring at my palm. Uh-huh. Sadly, when you're in when at six, quarter past six in the morning, you've got your first coffee throwing down you. That's what you tend to do, just sort of glare. Yeah. Like, a, yes, dear, no, dear. Three bags full, dear, you know. Mm. And it's uh, it's horrid. So I heartily recommend all throwing your phones in your toilets right now, unless you're watching this or listening to this excellent podcast, in which case uh, look after that device uh, with your whole heart until it's over, and then immediately throw it in the toilet. Then throw Absolutely. all of your gadgets in the bog, flush it. it. Like, share, subscribe, uh, smash. Yeah. Are we smashing bells these Le days? I, I don't know what we smash on podcasts, but they can leave a review on iTunes. So there's oh, that. Lovely. Go to iTunes and leave a review. Yeah. And then yeah. and then destroy your tech. And go and sit in the garden because you're allowed. If you don't have a mm. garden, then this virus is not airborne. So no. unless you've got infected people at your windows sneezing and coughing in your face, mm -hmm. you're allowed to open the windows and have some fresh air coming through your house. Don't forget that the air quality, if you haven't opened your windows, the air quality outside right now, think about it. It's amazing. Planes, absolutely. Grounded planes, very yeah. few vehicles. No, mm -hmm. you know, and stuff wandering about the place. Gone. Yeah. The air it's quality all, all over. better. So open your windows, get some fresh air in, breathe deeply and enjoy and try not to panic as well. Because yeah. panic's not for you. Panic and panicking, ironically, will, sh will shorten your life with stress so don't yeah. panic just relax and do what the government tells you and uh 
uh, to a degree. Once they let us out again, just be a little tentative. Boris. Yeah, you can still push back at the government once this is over. That's that's all right. That's fine. That's got you go for that. Yeah, I mean, push back away, but just do it online. Do yeah, online. yeah. Don't don't go out. Don't go and stand in front of ten Downing Street shouting Boris is a twat. You know, as much as you may want to, I'm feeling the urge myself. But you know, well, we'd be allowed. Two of us would be allowed, right? You fancy it? Two two of us would be allowed, but then you know the cop is going to come over and he's going to increase the levels to three, which is how they're going to get. Yeah, you know that's how they're going to play it on me. But then when he immediately turned round being the third to disperse us, wouldn't there be two of us again? There would be two of us again, but how how many coppers are they allowed? Yeah, that's a good point. That is a good point. <laughs> that's the question nobody's asking, and that's what this podcast's all about. The questions <laughs> no one's asking. How many it's not. Coppers? It's about getting to know people who I like or find interesting online. Oh, thanks. I'll see if I can find someone, Dougie. I'm sure there's gonna be Yeah, I'm I'm sure. I mean you 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 you're great as a bit of filler, mate, but you know, we'll get we'll get someone better next time. <laughs> I've had people from the TV on man, motherfucker. Look at me. Hey, I've been on the TV. Yeah, crime watch doesn't count. Oh, damn. Right. <laughs> <laughs> thanks very much. Would you like to know my uh, where I've been on proper telly? Where have you been on proper telly? Holby City. Oh, I- I had a brown jacket that was way too big for me, and mm-hmm. I walked past a camera and down a corridor and then to the left. And you know what, doggy? I did it what? twice. You, you needed two ticks to do that. Bloody you know amateurs. I think it was the jacket. I think it was the jacket. Oh, oh, yeah. So you're going to blame the costume department for the fact that your walking performance was terrible <laughs> and required another take. <laughs> you know what? To, to give the whole story of that, it was actually me. And yeah. the director said, "The guy in the brown jacket, can you not can you not walk a parabolic path down the corridor?" <laughs> <laughs> and I think that was me subconsciously wanting a little more airtime. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you want to keep yourself in the frame for that bit longer. You're an extra, mate. You're a walking prop. I am. I'm a walking prop. And um, yeah, I was a wandering prop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I got to see inside the wonderful workings of Holby City. It's not set yeah. in a hospital, doggy. No. They lied to us. Don't get me started about EastEnders. <laughs> oh, God. Have, have, you ever, have you ever been to the EastEnders set? I have. Or the Coronation Street set? Have you been there? I haven't been to the Corrie one, but I've been to the EastEnders one. <laughs> do, you know, do you notice how everything's just a little bit too small? Yeah. We do that. We have to do that on film. Um, the, the scale of houses and shit. If you go, if you just film a normal house, it looks wrong. Yeah, because it, everyone, the camera's got to be too far away from everyone in order to yeah. get it up, right. So, yeah. Yeah. So so we we it's the shrength of doubt. It's about it's about uh, three quarter scale. Oh, that's, well. that's that's what every whenever you go to one of those back lots, everything's the three quarter scale. I wondered about the worryingly low spiky top fencing around the middle bit of Albert Square. Yeah, that's just when someone gets made too, and they've got to get rid of them fast. Oh, I see. Right, just chuck, straight chuck them off the top one of the building, straight on the side of the square. It's it's like a gibbet, I the see. way they used to warn 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 um, foxes and and other other animals away from farmers' fields and stuff. Yeah, and just hang complainers previously abused off the off the fence. Is it? Yeah, yeah. Oh well, well, well one last one last thing, one last yeah. thing before we wrap this whole thing up. Um, 
how important is Kickstarter for crowdfunding and launching new products and events for you particularly? For me particularly, it's vitally important. Uh, Kickstarter have recently done something horrid um, with their financing, I believe. Right. And I was I was right in the sort of red hot furnace of getting ready for the Gorgon's Lock Kickstarter. Gorgon's mm. Lock Kickstarter, um, and somebody pointed out that they were. Let me think now. It's something about their employees' wages or similar, I think, and. Yeah, and I didn't, I didn't like what I heard, and my immediate reaction: right. was, oh, "Well, that's not us using Kickstarter anymore." Then, and mm. then, of course, I looked into it and thought, "This is going to be our seventh Kickstarter. I've had six successful Kickstarters, including the collaboration we did with Kate's for the uh, book, Bookkeeper's Guide to Practical Sorcery." Um, yeah, but uh, uh, this this is going to be our seventh. Looks like it's going to fail. First fail on Kickstarter. However, it would have been really daft to try and swap platforms at the last yeah. minute. I mean, this, you know, I, I found this sort of, you know, a month before we planned to go live. And as you know, with these mm. things, you've got to put in at least six months prep anyway beforehand. Yeah. And then, of course, all this nonsense happened with the virus and the blah. And it's just, it's, uh, yeah, really bad timing. Just really, really bad. <laughs> People have been saying, Dan, you have to cancel. Just cancel it. It's fine. Just cancel it and, um, mm -hmm. and just blame the virus. And it because it's the virus that's done it. Um, you know, the, this lockdown has done it and the, the lack of confidence. Yeah. I'm not going to cancel. I refuse. I, I refuse no. to cancel because 147 friends and legends and well-wishers have got us over five grand so far. That is not to be sniffed at. That's a shed no. ton of money in 24 days. Um, yeah. Now, of course, the last week of that has been the really scary time of the virus of getting new backers. Our, our newest backer arrived today. Right. Right. Because it was it was 146 backers when I when I checked last night, and obviously when I just logged in, mm. guys, it's 147. So someone else has joined the joined the fray while this is happening. So you know what? I'm not going to cancel. And if in six mm. days we end up with exactly the same amount of money or less, if people you know yeah. back out, then it is what it is. Mm. But what I want is for that final surge to be bolstered by the number of people who are at home. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're trying to do i've tried to be as, as honest as i can in the updates and the videos and stuff um mm. I'll, I'll be doing another podcast tomorrow i've been putting a podcast out every week at 8 p.m um mm. every week and putting a link on the um on the kickstarter so i'll, I'll link to that tomorrow as well mm -hmm. um because of the lockdown thing that's just going to be me chatting about i guess the lockdown and, and the game again but it is what it is yeah uh, and in, if in six days we happen to make 35 grand i already have I've, i'm chatting away with our suppliers and our manufacturers and mm. they are able to stick to timetables. They're able to do what we're doing, and, and they're able to, yep. uh, you know, to, to get the stuff in. Don't forget that the game is going to be it's going to be freight and trade. It's, it's not people yeah. to the country. It's you know, so um, yeah, because infrastructure is still running. This the, the, that's why the, the 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 runs on shops and things like that has been absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, it's ridiculous. It's like people's never people have never heard of food mountains and this sort of thing. You know, yeah. We, throw away more waste than we more food than we buy and yes. it's you know then don't worry you know nothing's going to run short don't be ridiculous the only way you can no. screw up this system is by panic buying that's the way you mm. screw it up you are the reason we've got empty shelves it's yeah. nothing to do with the system nothing's collapsing you know your no. your your confidence is collapsing as your cowardice mm. and all you actually need to do is stop listening to piers morgan maybe open a fucking book and mm. you know 
enjoy your mountain of toilet paper. Uh, another thing, of what course, are they using the toilet paper for, though? I don't know. I don't know. It reminds me of, uh, do you know the series with uh, Rick Mail and Aid Edmondson there, Bottom? Bottom, yeah, yeah. Thing in that where um, he, he comes down after a particularly heavy night's drinking uh, mm. and asks, uh, Aid asks uh, Rick where the where the toilet roll is and he says, oh, you ate it last night. You said it had saved time this morning. <laughs> <laughs> so who knows? Who knows what people are doing here with the moment? But, I, um, I've just got visions of people building little forts out of all these toilet rolls that they've got. Well, it's interesting you should say that because I mean this is this is not corroborated evidence. I haven't I haven't looked into this as, as I as I should have. Um, I'm just I'm probably just spouting shit. A lot of people are online at the moment, so I apologise if I am. Mm. But I have heard um, bloke down the pub, etc. Oh no, not down the mm-hmm. pub. Down the pub anymore, is there? No, we're not allowed to go to the pub, yeah. man. Fucking hell! Don't go to the pub to hear from bloke down the pub. <laughs> Send him so, a text. I heard from yeah, I, I heard from a text from the bloke who used to be down the pub and is now carrying in his living room. That the virus uh, will sit on organic surfaces, surfaces like like wood and skin and this sort mm. of thing, for twelve to twenty four hours, um, mm. and be you know contractable or passonable or whatever phrase I'm, I'm the word I'm, I'm missing is transmittable. Um, thank you very much, darling. Uh, and uh, on metal, mm. that increases to two days, and on plastic, it, um, it it's uh, that that transmittable time extends to three days. So now, right. picture all your panicking people in their houses with their hundreds and hundreds of plastic-wrapped toilet rolls and their <laughs> bags of pasta and their... Yeah. <laughs> the, I mean, these, are the people, these are the people who'll go, you've got to wash your hands every time you come in. Yeah. Nah, I'll just, yeah, I'll just do it when time. I go to the bog. Yeah, I'll just do it a bit more often. But yeah, I, I still saw someone. I saw someone. I, I was unfortunately I had to use the bathroom in the supermarket I went to the mm. day before yesterday, and yep. uh, and I went to the bathroom. I was having a wee. Not too much detail, don't worry. Mm-hmm. And uh, and a gentleman left the cubicle, and he he left behind the familiar aroma of what he'd been doing in the cubicle. You know, after mm-hmm. a push, walked straight past me, grabbed the handle of the door, and walked oh! straight. One person does that, just one. So Fucking I, moron! I know, so I'm I'm scrubbing away like a surgeon. Mm, yeah. Clean. The next thing, I'm opening the door like this, remembering to sort of anti-back my elbows when I get into the car. And as I'm going out, some guy's mm. coming in and looks at me like I'm the guy panicking. <laughs> I pause as we're face-to-face, 12 inches away, and explain yeah. the situation. Fuck no! <laughs> no, no. I, I get past him as soon as possible. But yeah, some dirty bastard had a shit and then walked straight out without uh, without washing his hands. And I mean, that stuff just irritates and annoys and disgusts me at the best of times. I'm not mm-hmm. an hand washer, but now, yeah. really, <laughs> yeah. Uh, have you have you noticed as well that 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 there seems to be a fundamental flaw in the design of the entrances to public lavatories? Because every single one of them, you push your way in from the outside, which means you've got to grab a handle to pull your way out from the inside. Yeah. It should be the other way round. Yeah. And I'm doing this and I'm using the, I'm, you know, I'm using the, the cuffs of my jacket with a little finger to open. Uh-huh. I assume will be the, the very top or the very bottom of the handle being the least touch. It's horseshit. The thing's going to be dripping with. Yeah. With, 
all sorts of stuff, just like everything else is. I mean, don't forget that you, inside and out, are like everyone else, not just you, doggy, are completely covered with viruses and bacteria top and bottom. And it's just particularly nasty ones, so just wash your hands and don't be disgusting idiots, please. Yeah, I did. I did have a, as, as, as a little. We'll, we'll button this up now. But yeah. my my favourite experience so far of the entire of the of the lockdown, the coronavirus, and everything like that was last night. I ordered a Chinese takeaway. Okay. The dude with the tent. Now I've ordered I've ordered food over the past week, and it's just been you know they've been doing the non-contact, leave it on your doorstep, step back, let you collect it, shut the door, blah blah blah. They've been doing all of that. But this guy, or girl, I'm not sure, because of the way they were dressed. Um, and, and, and they, they turned up, and it was like the, the very tight-fitting rolly hat on the head, yeah. surgical mask over the face, goggles right. on. Goggles. Gloves. Gloves. Rubber gloves. Actual latex rubber gloves. Right. And the tightest form-fitting thing. It was like my food was being delivered by an NPC from Fallout New Vegas. It was amazing. And Absolutely. my Chinese meal was epic because of that i felt like i completed a fucking side quest and here was here was me getting my my gift at the end of it all i did was go on just eat and give them my credit card details but here's this person who's just like i am here for you and i was i was fucking hats off to you for coming out i've been wondering about that i mean yeah clearly everyone in the food industry is you know they're they kind of even to the point that people and the and the and the you know the cashiers and stuff, they're all they're mm. all uh, heroes, of course, because they're putting themselves yeah. at genuine personal danger and a, a bit totally. of hand sanitizer between every other customer or whatever. That's that's not going to do it. You are face to face breathing human beings in their yeah. thousands. So you are all heroes, and you know the hats off to you. But the food processing guys, the the guys in the food factory, mm. the guys in the packaging mm. stuff, this machinery in some cases, is set up that the only way it can run, like the slowest it will run, is to have 20 packaging workers rammed yeah. next to each other. They are not slowing this shit down because no. we keep needing food. So these are mm-hmm. the people who are putting themselves at genuine personal risk so that we can yeah. have our microwave meals and our pasta and all the rest of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they need bigging up more as well. Definitely, you know? mate. Definitely, we're all we're all about. Obviously, there's a lot of stuff. There's hashtags and everything going around. Support the NHS. Do your bit. Blah 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 blah. But yeah, you're right. We're, we're, we 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 are forgetting the people who are standing behind the till in the shop. The people Absolutely. who are putting the stuff, the stock back on the shelves. The people who are going around cleaning up. The people out in the warehouse in the background. Shit hasn't stopped. Absolutely. Uh, these people are essential to the mm-hmm. things keeping going, and they should be given yeah. as much props. As anybody working in the NHS as well, absolutely, absolutely. absolutely. To, to not to not sort of, you know, to not degrade the um, the, the the hero worship of, of those in the NHS as well. I mean, these mm. there are there are millions of people right now working out there, and all you have to do, all you have to do to be a superhero is sit your ass on your sofa and and, and yeah. Amazon and Netflix. That's all you need to do. That's it. Mm-hmm. Christ, they'll bring yeah. your damn food to you. Yeah. It's incredible, absolutely incredible. They are legends, legends all. Absolutely. So let's not forget the creatives, doggy, because myself nope. and Kate and Playpy and all these guys that are, that are getting together and playing games and, and keeping us mm. amused and, and chatting away and all this stuff, you know, you guys are all doing a fantastic job as well to keep us sane because, you know, mm. the, 
the workers will keep our bellies full. Hopefully the NHS workers will keep our lungs empty of liquid. Mm. And um, and you guys will keep our hearts full of joy and love. And I am very appreciative of it. So thanks for having me on the podcast, Doggy. I appreciate it, man. Well, thank you for coming on. And one last thing on that. I've also noticed there are a lot of people, because obviously kids are off school and things like that now, and you've probably noticed this yourself. There are people who are starting to produce content to assist parents having yeah. to homeschool their kids. You've got a guy yeah. called Joe. Um, uh, the, the, he's a personal trainer. He's oh. doing every morning at 9 o'clock in the morning, he's doing a PE lesson for you and your kids. Fantastic. Fantastic. What a legend. Yeah. For nothing, yeah. guys, doing that. For nothing. Ab- absolutely, for nothing, for nothing at all. He's just like, you know, I'm in the house. I've got a camera. I do YouTube anyway. Yeah. People need this. Kids mm-hmm. need this. Let's do yeah. this. People like that. You know, you see the celebrities were all recording a line from Imagine by John Lennon, and then you got the YouTube stars yesterday. They all recorded a song as well with a line to know, and then you've got that guy. Who's like your kids need help and you need help and I'm here to help you. Yeah, they're 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 the people who are showing the true colours of society right now. Not not your celebs, Absolutely. not your not your commentators, not your political pundits. None of that. Look to the people who are out there right now who are giving something, who are doing something, who aren't whinging and moaning, and the people who are checking on their neighbours and shit like that. We've all got a part to play in this. Mm-hmm. We can do it. We can get through. We we, re- we, re- we rebuilt Coventry for fuck's sake. Yeah. We can do this. We can do this. Mate, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on this second episode of our second season of Who the Fuck Is. Ladies and gentlemen, please, I would say say a big thank you, but he's never going to fucking hear it. But So leave comments. Tell us if you've liked this podcast or not. Ladies and gentlemen, Dan Grubb from Fantastic <laughs> Books Publishing. Thanks very much, mate. Thank you, you legend. See you later, guys. Stay safe. Wash your hands. Thank you for listening to the Who the Fuck Is podcast. If you'd like to see more of this content, don't forget to leave a rating and a comment down below. Thanks very much.